0: It's episode 50 of the Whiskey and Things podcast, and as a special treat, we are joined by the co-founders of the Cooper King Distillery, Chris Schaum and Abby Nilsson.
1: Yes, and we'll be sampling some of their new make spirit, as well as talking about their incredible story that spans the globe from Tasmania to York.
0: As always, you can see some more whiskey-based content, images, or videos of Dave's really bad hairdo on our social media platforms at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. I'm not doing too well myself, mate.
1: Um, (laughs) It would also help us if you rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with
0: Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to... Episode 50 of the Whiskey and Things Podcast. I'm Dave Giles. And I'm Nick Kent. Welcome, the big five-o, everyone, the big uh, five-o. We are officially at the point where we stopped doing the video series. I was going to say that. Yeah,
1: 2014, we got to 50. Decided to go bi-weekly, or every two weeks or something. We, we Monthly, I thought, wasn't it? I
0: can't remember. But no, then we so, never did. We never did. We, <laughs> did. we just gave up.
1: We, we just, just gave up. up. Maybe it's time to give up now, Dave. What do you <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we've already got episode 57 recorded, Nick, so I don't think that's happening.
1: Oh, I was hoping for a holiday.
0: <laughs> Damn, mate. Does it feel like you've done more or less of these? More. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, I
1: don't know. It's quite. it's, it's hard. It's hard work doing the weekly show. Um, you did two of them, but um, I don't know. We're kind of in full swing now, aren't we? Yeah. So we'll we'll keep going. We'll keep going. It definitely everyone.
0: feels like we've learnt more about whiskey, anyway.
1: Yes. Yes, we have.
0: Talking of which. Shall we just go and learn about some whiskey? <laughs> yeah, let's not
1: drink one, though. Let's not have a whiskey this week. Episode 15,
0: oh, no, no whiskey. No whiskey. Absolutely. But, yeah. So, this week, we're uh, yeah, we're not doing a whiskey, but we're doing a distillery. So, I found out about this amazing distillery called the Cooper King Distillery uh, in just outside York, and it's an amazing story they've got, uh, and I just really wanted to get it on, and it also ties in with episode one, so I really wanted to do this. So, we literally just finished recording with them, and they are a delightful pair, Uh, So I hope you enjoy this interview with Chris and Abby, because you're about to listen to it.
1: Yes, you are. Don't turn off. Listen to it. Enjoy.
0: Whiskey! So welcome to Chris and Abby from Cooper King Distillery. Thanks very much for joining us.
2: Not at all. Absolute pleasure. You're welcome.
0: This is our episode 50, so we wanted to do something special. So I'm going to let you in on a little story here, which is why I wanted to have you guys come on. So when... In in our very, very first episode, we had something pre-recorded from Nick being in New Zealand back when we could do things, right? And Nick went and met up with the uh, people at the New Zealand whiskey collection.
2: Yeah.
0: And and tried some of their whiskey. And they were talking to him about Tasmanian whiskey. And he nodded along as if he knew what he was on about, so oh, the truth yeah. is... No, I was learning I was learning. I was, I didn't <laughs> <pretend>. <laughs> the truth is, neither of us had a clue about Tasmanian whiskey um because we were obviously starting this journey of learning about whiskey and all this kind of stuff and then the other thing that 's happened over this year is we 've discovered English whiskey and how wonderful that is. So there's been this on-going theme that we need to try Tasmanian whiskey, which we've not yet done, but also that English whiskey is a revelation. And you kind of combine both of those things. So uh, I really wanted to try and get you on. I'm so glad we've been able to do it. So can you tell us about how Cooper King got started and how it links to Tasmania?
2: We can. And it's a bit of a a mad one, if I'm honest. Um, So just who, 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 those of you who don't know we, we were a self-built whiskey and gin distillery outside of york um and it all started maybe six seven years ago now uh abs and i were at the time we were living in leeds in our late 20s i I'd just qualified as an architect and abs was a scientist so just got a phd um both pretty worn out i mean you were completely burnt out after oh, so burnt out. After <laughs> Um, you know, we both both qualified and working in our jobs for about a year, and it just didn't kind of feel right. And the people we were working with, no one particularly seemed that happy in their careers. All our friends at the time were were buying houses and having kids, getting married, you know, sort of settling down. We knew we wanted to do that one day, just just not then. So uh, we decided decided to disrupt things a little bit, and we quit our jobs and bought one way tickets to Australia. Nice. Uh, which you can imagine our parents at the time were horrified after yeah. finally putting us through education, thinking, yes, they've done it, they're there, I can forget about them. We ring them up and say, oh, we've jacked it in and we've got a one-way flight with no plans. I so. did two <laughs> degrees in
3: science. You know what, I'm just going to leave and... <laughs> I've got, I've got the PhD for perfect, para- and just go surfing for a bit.
1: It's not going anywhere, <laughs> is it? The PhD's not going anywhere, so that's funny. <laughs> <you know? Yeah.
3: laughs> That
2: was part of my argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is where the Ta- Tasmanian collection came in. So uh, I, uh, one of my best friends was a perpetual traveler and had recommended Tasmania as one of the best places he'd ever visited, um, which is kind of high praise from, from Tom. So we flew over to Melbourne a week there, then went straight to Tassie and we absolutely fed in love with the place it's, i mean something like a third of it is protected wilderness like world heritage wilderness site it's pretty remote and rugged um but interestingly and uh, sort of relevantly their one of their whiskey distilleries won the accolade of producing the world's best single malt whiskey about a month after we arrived there which was pretty fortuitous now we had friends back home with a whiskey blog and we were opportunistic backpackers at the time, so we messaged them and said, "Look, we're over here in Tassie. Would you believe it? We're twenty minutes from this distillery. Basically, if you buy us some lunch and give us some petrol money, <laughs> we'll we'll go and visit and uh, uh, get some blog content and take some photos." And they absolutely leapt at it, didn't they? And like, oh you know, absolutely, go and visit all three distilleries on the island, and we'll cover expenses. Well, no,
3: I what they said was go visit all the distilleries mm-hmm. on the island. Now, I think they thought at the time there was three, but it turns out there was eight operational.
1: Decisions. Oh wow! Okay.
3: Naturally, um, to fulfil the brief, we had to visit all of them.
2: Of course.
3: So, of course. Yeah, we, we were very kind of lucky to to have that opportunity.
2: Yeah, you know, at the time we were um, we were backpacking, we were living in an estate car, we were fruit, we were picking apples to extend our visa. and we were getting, you know. <laughs> The it was one it was, it was a pittance. <laughs> wow! But then on the weekends we were driving out to these beautiful distilleries all across the island, and I mean we spent a couple of months visiting them all, and just very very quickly fell in love with it and how they fell in love with with how they were making whiskey over there and the people behind it and the, I mean, you know the first chap we visited was it was a, a rye farmer called Peter Bignall, uh, a Belgrave distillery. He'd never made whiskey in his life, and one year he had too much rye whiskey and thought I'm going to have a go making grain gra- uh, too much rye. Uh, yeah, grain, grown and thought oh, I'm going to try making whiskey so he made his own copper pot still he sold it together with copper from fallen power cables <laughs> suppose didn't ask too many questions to Peter. <laughs> um, you know produced this whiskey which was absolutely beautiful and when noma which for a while were the world's best restaurant had a pop-up in sydney they stopped peter's whiskey but he'd never made it before He was a right i mean it's just a farmer it was it was kind of a theme wasn't it emerged amongst all these distilleries we visited that the majority that had never made whiskey before had no background weren't scottish didn't have 10 million pounds in the bank yeah but were making beautiful yeah. beautiful spirit
3: it was a it was a side of the industry which we hadn't been exposed to before yeah. or i suppose we yeah. hadn't exposed ourselves to before and then all of a sudden we were surrounded by these amazing people which you know it was like distilleries that were pretty much started on a shoestring budget which blew my mind because it suddenly made it accessible. It were these really passionate people who were self-taught for the most part um, and we kind of had this revelation that maybe we could do that you know if we kind of put our minds together, we'd both been looking for something that was creative, that was mm. exciting, something we could both kind of start together. You know, we wanted to work together, but we just didn't know mm. how you know, we both love food and drink. And then all of a sudden we were absolutely madly in love with this whole kind of craft distilling and the people in the place and the product and having that really beautiful connection. And I suppose it was the romance of Tasmania. It was the fact that we just quit our jobs and we started mm. on this new journey together and it was all, it had all of the, you know, kind of romance around it. And we had open minds and open hearts. We thought, well, let's give it a go. Let's start our own. Obviously with a few whiskeys to help duplicate the idea. <laughs>
1: That's where the best ideas come from.
2: That's it. I think you couple that with the... Uh, Australian confidence in pretty much everything. So you know, you tell an Aussie, "Oh, I've just quit my job and I'm going to set up a whiskey distillery, and I've never done it before." It, you know, there's no doubt. Like if you said someone to England, they might, they might question it. But an Aussie, it was just, you know, a slap on the back. Oh, get on, you man. You know, when's it ready? You know, crap yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why are you talking about it? Just yeah, doing yeah. it. When's, it's when, it
3: when, yeah, when's it ready? It was that like enthusiasm
0: yeah it's pretty infectious. so so my understanding about Tasmanian whiskey is there's one guy in particular out there who kind of changed everything and got it started and also had something to do with the law changing in which then may- meant that uh, smaller distilleries could even exist when before they couldn't is that is that correct
2: yeah that's
3: right so you're talking about Bill Lark who's who's kind of named as the Godfather of Tasmanian whiskey so he was the one who brought about the change in the law which um, removed the, the, the still, the minimum still size, which uh, at that time you could only produce it on quite a large scale, which excluded lots of craft distilleries from opening up. Um, and he, he you know, it was quite a battle for a while, but eventually had the law changed, which then opened, you know, paved the way for, for himself to produce it. He was the founder of Lark Distillery. Um, And then lots of other small producers could follow suit. And, you know, at the time when we visited in 2014, there were eight operational distilleries and there's now...
2: I think it's something like 42 or 44. It's a a huge number. Just on Tasmania, or is that the whole of Australia? (laughs) Just Tassie. Wow. (laughs) There's about a million people in Tassie, so there's a a good (laughs) good ratio there, I think. (laughs)
3: When when we were there, it had, obviously, Sullivan's Cove had just won, you know, the world's best whiskey, which suddenly uh, put them onto the world stage, um, and they, you know, became much more well-known on the, the sort of, whiskey scene and we were there you know at the time distilleries were kind of doubling quadrupling production so they're experiencing this you know really awesome kind of growth um so it wasn't you know it was only a matter of time before other distilleries started to open up Mm. and, and you know they've had so much kind of growth since then
2: that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure we'll get to it a bit later, but a similar thing is happening in England. So when mm-hmm. we were initially doing our research, again, six years ago, I think there are maybe eight distilleries and we put together an English whiskey map, uh, which I think at the time had maybe 14 on there. And yeah. now we're up 24 with another three or four, which what, we wouldn't know about yet. So again, in England, it's, you know, doubled in, in just a few years. So it's really, yeah, taking off here as, as it has over Tassie.
3: At the time we obviously saw that there was potentially a gap in the market you know back in England for that I think because we'd seen this relatively new industry you know go through this really exciting kind of phase and change and lots more people were, were getting on board lots more excitement on the drinking side of things that we could see a similar thing happening in England and we thought well let's be you know let's be a part of that.
0: Exactly, let's be a part of it. Let me let me go back to Tasmania before we get back to England. Yeah. So, did did you then get jobs working for a distillery or learn anything from them other than just your your experiences of visiting the distilleries? Did you get an apprenticeship or something like that, or, or was it just that the idea was formed there? We
3: well, at first we had to taste a lot of whiskies. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it, you know, as we, so that, that first, I, it was maybe, uh, yeah, a few months of visiting these distilleries. Our questions, as each distillery visit went on, got more and more in depth. Yeah. <laughs> Our knowledge rapidly expanded. So I'm sure by the end they were like, what are you guys up to? <laughs> <laughs> this <is for> the- <laughs> you
1: know. Turn off a binder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's straight into the number of hours we ferment this is pretty detailed you're sketching all their
0: stills you know, I know plans looking at the blueprints yeah, yeah. and being an architect you're probably pretty good with a pencil
2: i <laughs> know <Yeah. laughs> oh, we, we were open and they were really they thought it was brilliant that and bizarre that you know we were up in york so not far from the scottish border that we were over in tassie the other side of the world yeah. learning from them how to make whiskey and take that back to you know an hour or so away from scotland but no so we visited all those distilleries but then we did some training so there, there was a distillery over there called redlands distillery and a fantastic head distiller called dean um so we did some training with dean and bill lark as well actually um spent a bit of time with us uh, which we were very very fortunate i think he's an incredibly busy man now mm, <laughs> i don't think you know to be so lucky um and with Peter Bignall, that the Rye Farm right I told you about, we spent a bit of time with him as well. So we did lots of training. Um, we did some
3: the, a lot of it was just research as well. You know, pretty much textbook research and mm, we had time. to learn everything from scratch. The whole process. You know, when we went there, we were whiskey drinkers, we didn't really know that much about the spirit. We had a basic grasp that, you know, you needed barley water and, and yeah, to cascade, but that was pretty much it. Hmm. So to go from that level to, well, hang on a minute. There's a lot more we need to know, not just on the production side, but on how do we run a business? How do we finance that? How do we build a distillery? All of those things we have to tackle, uh, alongside, you know, sort of our sort of once in a lifetime trip to Australia as well. So we, you know, we made quite a good use of our time. We tasted lots and lots of whiskies. Obviously, Ooh. we had to train
2: our nose. Well, that was two years. So um, we were we were in Australia. We went to uh, we went to New Zealand and to Oamaru, which I think where the whiskey. Yeah, uh, that's where uh, I went.
1: Yeah, the whiskey. Collection, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. We, we sat in there as well. Sat in that whiskey shop. Bought yep. some whiskey. Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 that's what. We, that's where this podcast started. Where it <laughs> started yeah, that's
2: ago. amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we, those sort of two years were. were learning tasting researching speaking well, I think one of the biggest things was speaking to people and, and making friends with the Tassie Distillers who really welcomed us in it was lovely and, and mm. we learned so much but it, it was you know having the freedom of, of essentially backpacking and, and just earning enough to get you to the next town if you like and surfing in between and, and yeah. learning about whiskey. I mean it was a bloody magic two years <laughs> <I'm not laughs> <It>
0: sounds, <laughs> sounds incredible <It> sounds <laughs> incredible time well spent
1: Listening to the Whiskey and Things
0: podcast. So, so then you come back with this idea of of opening a distillery, and what were the steps there? You know how, how do how does one start? Obviously, I imagine finance is a big part of that, and I don't don't divulge your personal finances by any stretch, but there there, there must be a lot of complications before you even get to the point of. That idea to fruition. Forget the knowledge you need just on a logistical level.
2: Horrendous.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of the last things that we kind of tackled, really, was you know, we, we had a, a budget for it and it was like we kind of knew roughly that there were different options to finance it, but I don't think it was, you know, we kind of put that to the back of our minds almost so, because I think if we'd have known how much it was actually going to cost <laughs> at the time. It would have been a non-starter
0: yeah.
3: because, you know, it costs us three times as much and has taken us probably three times as long. Mm. And it, had we known that at the time, I don't think we would have, have, have maybe had enough uh, gusto for it. But, you know, we were quite excited about the idea and we thought, well, if, if, it's, if it's a good idea, we'll make it
2: work. It will work, it had to.
1: But you didn't do it by halves, did you? Tell us about the still you're using.
2: Yeah, so the stills, man, the the, the still we had commissioned and made in Hobart in Tasmania. So a filmmaker the <laughs> over there, wonderful chap, uh, is, uh was a German boilermaker who emigrated to Australia and started making stills in Tasmania, like, uh, equally crazy story,
1: yeah.
2: Um, but produces fantastic whiskey stills, So that was made over there and then shipped over to us here. So it's, I think it's the only Tasmanian still in the Northern hemisphere and it's sat, you know, in the next room in, in rural Yorkshire. It's quite, <laughs> that's
1: it's amazing. Quite Thing. It costs you three times as much, but you've the detail like that. Bringing the Tasmanian still over—that's incredible for the story and for the whiskey.
2: I was going to say it's what we learned on. We learn on an almost identical still over there, and it, the the character of the spirit coming off those stills it's not necessarily better than anything over in the UK. It's just different. It's, Mm. it's more Tasmanian. It's, it's unique. And it's, it's sort of creates the sort of whiskey we want to, we want to drink and enjoy. So
3: for me, there's an element of romance about it as well. I fell in love with that still and that shape. And for me, that's kind of synonymous with, with a really, you know, big life changing event. So I, you know, every day when I kind of walk into the distillery, it reminds me of that. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the funding, so we, we were going to, we wanted to crowdfund a part of it. Uh, we knew, well, you know, kind of asked the bank for some money and we were all excited about it and, you know, presented a really thorough business plan, which we we're really proud of. But, uh, but Yeah obviously got knocked back. They were like, absolutely no way. Cause we were like, yeah, it's going to take three years before we can earn any money.
2: Be all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can imagine, you know, two backpackers back from Australia, <laughs> grand ideas, a pair of flip flops on and an Aussie pan and a twang. Well, oh, I can move some money to build a scenery. You're like, no, you can't. <laughs> Amazing.
3: Yeah. We, we had to think outside the box a little bit. And we did have some money that we'd saved up for a little house deposit um, we put that into the business to, to, you know, we thought, well, that'll that'll get us going at least. But it got us so far as putting a driveway in a concrete slab, and then we <laughs> <you> had
2: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we we weren't and still aren't independently wealthy, so it was quite a struggle to to raise the money, and and we had to raise. I think it. We budgeted. I don't mind sharing it. We budgeted about a hundred, hundred and fifty grand, or something. You know, not not a lot, and it and it cost us just shy of half a million. So it was wow. it was so we were so far out. Um, so yeah, I mean,
3: we we sold a portion of, of the company. Yeah, sort of um, an equity. So we've got a few investors, and you know, we crowdfunded it as well. So we opened up the founders club, and that was, I suppose, quite a a novel idea at the time because we didn't have anything then we were you know selling the founder idea yeah well, we were you're right well, it was well. just an idea we didn't have really a building at the time we had barely even a website cobbled together um but I think we were quite good at selling the idea and getting people engaged and it, it, we, all, we wanted to share that process because it was exciting for us to see something like that form but to invite people along with it and to see how the the spirit and the brand um, and the business kind of evolved, you know, and, and have people to be a part of that. So we've now got over 500 founders in the club, which have got us up into production. They've helped funded the equipment, the building, everything.
2: Well, you know, we had no experience in running a business or selling a company up or selling equity or, or crowdfunding or anything. So it was a really steep learning curve. And, and I mean, it took us that whole first year back to sort of get the money up and running. And then then we had to build the distillery we didn't have a building um and we, we were lucky enough abby's parents had a bit of land in an old stable block which we bought off them and we thought you know brilliant we've got a got a stable block we'll convert it to a distillery got planning uh, got planning permission so i used my architectural skills at long last <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't put them to waste and all, that went through fine, and then when the the building and the engineers came out and looked at the old concrete floor slab and said, "Absolutely not! You know, the big brewing vessels are going to weigh far too much. You need to pull the slab up," which meant we had to dismantle the entire building we just bought, oh, wow. The slab up and start from finish, start from scratch. So that second year battle, we self built the distillery. So that was was literally friends and family. We didn't have money to, to pay a company to build it, so we all pitched in and, and built the thing from scratch, which was another monstrous (laughs) undertaking as well
0: so we've spoke to a few other distillers over time who have started up they all start selling gin because you don't have to wait three years for it to to go into in the casks Mm. before Mm. you can call it a whiskey and all that kind of thing um, so you've been doing that as well, right? So you've been doing gin and vodkas. And, and how long did it take for you to get a product onto a website or somewhere that that suddenly there was some money coming in beyond just the founders and, and the other investing you were getting?
3: Well, we, we, we came back. So we started um, to work on the business and set up the business side of things in 2016. In 2017, we'd finished the build. And then in early 2018, we had our first gin. So... It it was a few months to get to that point um, and a lot of time on the still, because obviously, you know, I'd I'd, I'd never designed a gin recipe before. before. Um, So that was, again, like another challenge, which we sort of hadn't envisaged. We we kind of naively thought that we would maybe, um, you know, some kind of products that we would sell would be malt-based products or malt-based liqueurs, Mm. Um, because at the time we thought – you know, there wasn't really much we could bring to the gin side of things. There was so many great gins on the market and whiskey was more of our bag. So we didn't really think anything of it. That wasn't a plan to go down the gin route. But the more and more people, mainly as part of the founders club, were asking for, it. you know, why we weren't going to do gin and that they would drink it if we did. We started to explore it a little bit, you know, just kind of tentatively to see what botanicals we had around us. And um, we had some local lavender got some really beautiful lavender fields nearby uh, my father is a beekeeper so naturally I'd, I'd want to use the honey in it so that was a good good pairing to begin with um, but it wasn't until we came across a vacuum still which is a little bit different to traditional ginger distillation so it's done at a much colder temperature mm-hmm. so the flavours that you get from cold distillation really bright and fresh you know they really kind of crisp, vibrant flavours. It was when I tasted a cold distilled spirit that I thought, wow, this could be a bit different and coupled with, you know, those botanicals, which I mentioned, would be a little bit unique. And it kind of got me excited as a distiller to play and develop a recipe around that. So our recipe has always been designed for a cold distillation. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a whole new learning curve, but that's been super exciting because it, you know, it's, it's really sort of pushed us to I guess develop the brand and develop the product and we've got a really good following on the gin side which I hope that we can just ease some of them over to the whiskey as well or at least kind of you know blur the boundaries a little bit between kind of whiskey drinks and gin drinkers and just get everybody to enjoy this you know the spirit just because it's awesome yeah
0: so uh you, so your plan is to carry on doing the gin even once you get more whiskey out into the world
2: yeah yeah definitely the the our two sort of main gins have just uh, we just announced last month they've become carbon negative so the first in england to do that so it's a huge you know sustainability kind of underpins an awful lot of what we do So a huge achievement with those two gins so yeah definitely want to keep them going and, and we plant woodland for every bottle we sell as well so that the gins are kind of tasting good but also kind of do good for the environment as well so definitely yeah keep them going. and there's That's incredible. Big, big support behind them. So
0: Obviously then, alongside of that, you've been distilling whiskey, which obviously isn't on sale yet as whiskey because it needs to be in the casks for three years, correct? Correct. So we must be coming up to a first release soon then.
2: Yeah, we're not far. So August... Well, we have the new make already, so that's the yeah. unaged spirit uh, which, which we've been um, sort of putting out there. Um, the first... So legally matured whiskey we have will be August, 2022. Right. Um, so a year and a half. We, it might be ready then. I think the important thing we're not going to release it as soon as it's three years, because we can, because it's whiskey. That's not what we're interested in. We're going to release it when it's absolutely beautiful. And we're really yeah. happy with it. Perfect. So because we're maturing in small casks, we're maturing in hundred liter casks, which is something we learned over in Tassie. Um, they mature a little bit quicker than, say, your larger 200-litre cast you might see in Scotland. So we think maybe three to five years that whisky will be ready, but at the earliest, yeah, August next year, which isn't that far away. If you think how fast the last year is just for everyone. Yeah, it's going to fly by. It's going to
0: fly by. In this process, are you already taking samples from it just to see, are you excited or, or are you being patient and leaving it alone? What is that process? Because I'd th- I just be in there every day Be honest <laughs> with it's like today.
2: <laughs> it's well, the jobs, Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I am a scientist. So obviously, you know, naturally I want to collect a lot of data. And that means taking samples from the cask and monitoring the ageing process. Yeah, not because we want to sample it, you know, for taste purposes. Obviously, it's purely scientific.
1: Purely scientific.
0: <laughs> purely scientific. <laughs> absolutely.
2: But yeah, we're... we're you know, every every couple of months uh, we'll, we'll go and take car samples and then, yeah, nose them, taste them, see how it's coming along. And we are actually, for our, our Founders Club members, we're sending them. That's really soon. and in, in the next month or so, we do have a cast. We're fully decanted. So we've emptied one cast, which is just over a year old. So it's the first ever cast stage spirit we're going to release, which is super exciting. And that's, uh, can we say what it is? That's an extra cast. Yes. yes. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's stunning so nice it's it's maturing really really well that's that's such
0: a nice idea that because you don't have to call it whiskey do you you can just say this is a cascade spirit made from the same process of distilling that whiskey is and then you're not breaking any laws but it's, a, it's nice for you to be able to do that for your founders so they're coming along on the journey right
2: definitely and that, that's the point from the outset wasn't it is to let them you know follow the distillery and the bills and, and all the rest of it and now to actually yeah try that spirit as it's maturing and then slowly sort of heading its way towards whiskies. Oh, we can't wait oh, honestly it's going to be so good to be able to such a it. great idea that's yeah. such <laughs> a great idea Whiskey
0: bots. Roll out. You very kindly sent us a, a sample of the new make. Now we've not done a new make sampling on the show. We have tried new make. Uh, we went to Bimba in the summer because oh. it's just down the road. Is <laughs> it? oh, oh, it's yeah. crazy. It's literally I can walk there. It's amazing. And I, 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 we started this podcast, and then I was like looking for distilleries. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? How does that work? <laughs> it's the just down. The- r- anyway, so what you've sent us, uh, it says it's batch four. And uh, it's 47%. So are you watering that down at all? Or oh, so I don't know if that's the correct term. Proof, um, down. Uh, Proof down, David. Uh, are you proofing? Yeah, uh, Nick, Nick's the technical guy here. I just I do the, t- I do the well, drinking. Technically, it's watering down, but I'm sure there's a better um, way of putting it, a more scientific way, I believe. Or is that how it's coming out the still?
3: Um, no, so that is watered down. Yeah, so it comes off the still at around 73, 74%. Um, it's too strong to go into cask at that point. So if, if, if we were to divert that uh, to a cask, we'd water it down to about 60%, depending on what cask it's actually going into. Um, then we'd water it for, for this, for the bottling it as the new make, which we've bottled under our pilot series. Um, we dilute it a bit further to 47%. And that's where we think it's got a good balance between the alcohol level and flavour. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a little bit watered down, but it's so that you can enjoy it as it is. But I add a little bit more water to it mm.
0: um,
3: after pouring it, because I think it opens up a bit more.
0: Okay, I'll do that in a moment as well, once I've, once I've had a, a, my first sample. It's very fruity on the nose, very fru- fruity in mm-hmm. flora. I'm getting all those big, f- sweet flavours on the nose.
1: Yeah. On the nose for me, you know what this is? You know the dried mango you can get in packets? The, yeah, the stuff yeah. which is the most moorish substance on earth <laughs> that is what this is for me on the nose
0: there's a lot
1: of mango yeah
3: you're bang on it because lots of mango for me i get a little bit of green apple some people get gooseberry in there as well
1: yes i kind of get natural yogurt as well with new make this is like a peach yogurt yes peach yogurt,
0: mm-hmm. yes, peach yogurt yeah. is
1: definitely there yeah i actually bought uh, i've got some buffalo trace and um, white dog here which i bought this week yeah. and for me that is gooseberry yogurt it's incredible, mm. kind of how similar it is. Exactly. So, this again, this is like a apricot kind of yogurt for me.
3: Yeah, so lots of tropical fruit.
2: I mean, you do get some, this sort of caramel or toffee pennies or, or the malt as well coming through on the nose.
1: Mm. That's an incredible flavor. Oh, that's, that's so good to drink. Or something with three ingredients.
2: I know that it's such a fascinating, we, we absolutely love New Make and, and to be able to share it and try and promote it because there's so much flavor and there's so much going on there from me yeah, as you say you know water barley yeast and, and that's yeah. it but obviously everything we do in the production process helps create those flavors and helps give it that perfect
3: but isn't it mad that that's you know barley that's grown in england so it's floor malted barley um grown in england but can produce such a tropical f- flavor
1: yeah yeah mm. that's insane how long are you fermenting for
3: um, it's about six to seven days is a ferment. So Quite it's a really long. long. Yeah. Yeah. Long fermentation. So that's where we're getting a lot of the fruitier notes coming through.
1: Yes. Is there only one still you're running? Yeah. So that's going to take twice as long. So obviously, the, usually you usually have the wash still and the spirit still. So you can do things twice as well, twice as fast. So that must be a, a long process for you then.
3: It is. Yeah. It, it takes, um, you know, all in all, uh, it takes about sort of 10 days to do a full run. So. One batch of – so one brew of 1,200 litres fills just over one 100-litre cask. Right. So, yeah, we're not producing a lot –
2: about a cast a week, water laying down. And obviously, you know, as, as we expand, we, we'd love to get a, a larger still, and that would be our wash still, and this become the spirit still. But yeah. um, we'd already blame the budget three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> let's think, get some product on sale yeah. first. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, you said it is. You know, it's a lot slower to work with one still, which you know, I suppose is a downside in in terms of our production capacity. But has afforded us that extra time to just kind of stop. You know, what does the spirit taste like? How can we change it? What do we want from it? You know, yeah. we can really play with all of those variables. Um, fermentation, temperature, um, the speed of distillation, all of those things that affect it. Mm. You know, our, our distillation days are about 10 hours. They're really, really slow, but it means we can fully understand, you know, how that grain produces the flavors that it does.
0: Yeah.
3: Awesome. So we can be really you know, kind of thorough
0: in, in what we're producing. Yeah. I, I just added a, a drop of water and, um, I've had another sip and I was thinking this anyway, but the flavors are, are pinging out at me now. Yeah. It's like a tropical squash, <laughs> but with vodka, <laughs> <laughs> or not necessarily vodka because you don't really taste vodka in it, but an alcoholic tropical squash, uh, <laughs> Which is amazing, as you say, it's incredible mm. to think that you're getting those flavours from, from from English Bali. barley. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? Um, obviously, the process of adding it to add into the barrel. We've we've spoken to a fair few people over this year, and the wood. Is so much to do with the flavor of the of the final product of mm-hmm. the whiskey. I think it's great. Are, are you going to continue to sell this alongside the whiskey because this is such yeah. a good drink on its own? It feels a shame. I'm sure you're going to make great whiskey with it, but it feels a shame to 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 not let people experience this if they can because it is oh. so good. And and yes, yeah, and the wood is going to completely change it. So it's not going to be anything like this. Obviously, there'll be elements of it, but it, it's. It's so important that this this people can experience this and then compare it to the the ones that have been in the barrel for three years or four years or five years, however long you end up doing that for, and and saying, wow, how can that happen?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Dave, I am so glad you've said that because that is exactly what we're trying to achieve. You know, New Makers of Spirit is is a bit of an underdog Hmm. in the kind of whiskey world. You know, (laughs) not many distilleries bottle it. Um again, you know, it's pretty precious liquid, but also some are some are better than others, but like a really good interesting new make is a is a spirit in itself and it's there, you know, it's just begging to be kind of played with and and to be a cocktail based. Mm. It's a really interesting drink or just to sip and savor it without the oak influence because you know to really appreciate the process and the intricacies of the process, everything up to that point you know, can be quite overlooked in, in some, you know, it's all about the wood and it's all about the aging process. And that is a huge part of it, but also let's not forget just how cool this spirit is. Yeah. So the reason why we've bottled it, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to promote it is for people to, yeah, enjoy it in its own right. You know, it makes a brilliant cocktail. Um, one of my favorite cocktails with the new makers, it's a take on a caipirinha, um, which is basically just muddled with, Lime and sugar syrup with crushed mm. ice, and it is just an awesome, awesome cocktail.
1: Is that the off kilter? Which is yeah, yeah, give that a go. It's, it's absolutely
2: super.
1: So, you have um cocktails and stuff on your website to make with your spirits as well, which is great. Your website's fantastic, the blog is fantastic. And again, you know, I mean, you were kind enough to send us this three-bottle set together with a vodka and a gin as well. And it has a accompanying video as well, which you can taste along with, which is another thing I loved. I may have had a little bit of Nick's special time with this earlier, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, well worth our listeners go and have a look on the website because yeah there were cocktails and stuff as well because people don't think about making cocktails with new make as you were saying
2: not at all and one of the greatest thing we had not that longer there was uh, someone from the one of the villages near here came and he was buying his wife a birthday present and apparently she loves the new make and she's not a whiskey drinker A yeah. third bottle of new make and i think you've you really nailed it if you've got a non whiskey drinker loving the taste of new mate. because you know, that's our whiskey in its most unrefined state. That's the beginning. And if you've mm. got someone hooked at that point, then really
0: it will be interesting to see if that same person then likes what you do with the wood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And whether the, and whether it ends up being her gateway into other whiskies as <laughs> yeah. well. Because it's that the, the flavours have begun you know, she's got used to the idea of the flavour and the burn or however she's drinking it.
3: We also have some some people who have come to the distillery so pre-COVID, when we were running tours, um, who were neither whiskey or gin drinkers, but you know they'd kind of been been bought the experience as a gift, um, as something to do, uh, they actually went away with a bottle of new make because they would found something that was totally unique and and you know was like neither gin nor whiskey, and they mm. found something that they loved, and you know they loved it because of the flavour, mm. and so I love that that you can. You know, if you kind of strip away all of the preconceptions of what you think a spirit should be and just focus on championing that flavour, then yeah. you know, there's a whole new, you know, kind of world to be discovered in that aspect. Yeah. You know, if you think you don't like whiskey, then maybe, you know, maybe think again. Or if you think you don't like gin, then, you know, sort of break out of it. Yeah, yeah, just drink the new mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did mention a word. And by all means, I, I'm not sure how much people keep these things secret in your in the trade so are you experimenting with a variety of different wood or is it mainly just the the expert and stuff you're doing or, or is have you got like different things in a warehouse and you're you're hoping to have a whole range of different wood finishes
2: we do so we I guess partly because of our size and only laying down 50 casks a year, we can be very choosy and have taken the time to go and select those casks very specifically to sort of match our spirit. So we went to Kentucky uh, January last year, pre COVID when you can get on a plane, um, went to a fantastic bourbon distillery there called MB Roland. and they produce superb bourbon, but they also do it as a corn whiskey. They do a malt whiskey, they do a rye. So we've now partnered with them. So we're now with, Got currently we've um, got some yeah rye and corn and, and, and bourbon casks directly emptied sort of that layer distillery and then straight here sort of door to door been filling and they're they're wonderful they're absolutely wonderful and then the other side we're exploring is French oak so we went over to Bordeaux worked with a very experienced chap over there and we've saw some beautiful um, fresh bread wine casks we've got some Armagnac casks some cognac casks. And our plan a few years down the line when the whiskey is ready is to, is to have two distinct releases. We'll have a French oak and American oak.
0: Nice.
2: Both will pull our new make in slightly different directions. Yeah. But just to celebrate the difference, I mean, the, the the bourbons are so, they're so oaky and they do a smoked, they do a smoked bourbon, uh, which is incredible stuff. And it will be a full on robust whiskey um while the french oak will be i think much there'll be much more fruity in from the wine you get a much more toasted oak coming through rather than heavy chars and a much more elegant spirit but again to be able to show how that oak influences you've got the new make which you can try and then the two different sort of roots for the two different types of oak again it's about sort of bringing people along for that journey and showing them what what can be done with casks rather than just you know just going for bourbons because that's what's easy to get hold of you know yeah. So sort of made it made it difficult for ourselves but it's uh, <laughs> worth it i
0: think <laughs> because you're an english whiskey or an english distiller is it easier than if you had set up in scotland do you think you have less pressure or expectation or freer to experiment more than if you'd said oh we really like whiskey we really enjoy the experience let's go and get a plot of land in scotland and do a do a scotch good
3: question that's a really good question. I think it's easier in some ways because there is no expectation almost. Mm. We're we're a bit more free to innovate. We haven't got anything. Uh, if you if you make a, a scotch, you have to kind of slot into that into the, into it, the legal yeah, framework. you have to slot into that, and and everybody kind of knows or has expectations of what the scotch could be. So it's harder to break away from that. In England, we haven't got the same level of regulation, so it is much more open for innovation. Um, But then that's also the downside is that we have to maybe work a little bit harder to prove that it's worth trying, Mm. you know, I guess because Scotch has such a fantastic name for itself and it is so well known that people often don't even think that they would have a local English distillery. You know, they don't even think that they could buy local or support a local business Um, or maybe they think, you know, English whiskey can't be any good because how could it when we've got Scotland? Mm. So all of those are the things to, to battle with. But I, I think people are now open to to much more than just
2: scotch. And that happened in Turkey, though, as well. So when we went over and we were speaking to, to Bill and, and his sort of other, uh, the chat with Mark there at Lark Distillery, and they were saying when they first started, there was quite a bit of cultural cringe, he called it. So people wouldn't buy Australian whiskey because oh, who's ever heard of that and why would you? But as soon as they won, Sullivans Cove won the award, then suddenly it was like, "Oh crikey, we do make good whiskey. Let let's let's get involved." So I think probably a similar thing will happen with England, and it is changing. But yeah, the moment an English whiskey distillery, you know, wins World's Best Whiskey, then I think everyone will will come on to it much much easier. And you're there, ready
0: to uh, capitalise. <laughs> I was say, hurry up and do it then.
1: You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's quite amazing.
0: laughs> So I I have one other thing, which is about the sustainability aspect of of what you're doing. So I know that the Scotch industry, and again, I know that's Scotland related, have had a big push to try and make their distilleries carbon neutral. Obviously, as you said, England is a different set of rules and things like that. But you yourself have said you've got carbon negative gins and and products. So how important is sustainability to what you do? And what do you see as being the challenges
2: behind that? So the answer to the first one, how important is it? absolutely integral to everything we do and it it all was born out of those travels so as you know at Tasmania with all the wilderness areas and, and we lived and worked up by um, the Great Barrier Reef in Queensland for about six months as well beautiful beautiful places but also incredibly fragile so soon after arriving in in Tassie there were wildfires that ripped through it and obviously mm. the Great Barrier Reef and the bleaching and everything that's happening up there it made us realize that if we wanted to set up a business and run a business that we wanted to be able to do it in such a way that would protect those places and also preserve more places maybe closer to home hence you know the tree planting with a fantastic local charity and um so that's kind of where the idea stemmed from and then putting it into practice it it becomes a mindset rather than just saying oh you know we're burning all this fuel we better change that or or think about that if we've, we've done it from the beginning so you know, we've run on green energy from day one. Uh, we planted a woodland here on site. We've got 400 trees we're planted here. Abbey's dad with the bees. The barley we're now sourcing from all within Yorkshire, which is, we've got some of the farms, you know, 15 miles away from us and went out and rode the combine harvest the last summer. <laughs> nice. Charmed a dream come true. <laughs> Amazing.
3: Also, because because we're a new business and we, we wanted to be sustainable from the outset, I, in some ways it's been easier because you can question things from the start you know lots of lots of kind of premium whiskies and premium spirits are bottled in really heavy bottles you know with a big kind of chunky glass Mm -hmm. bottom it's a lot of unnecessary weight and rather than just adopting that because that's what everybody else does and we should do the same if we want to kind of be have, have the same level of shelf presence well sustainability is more important to us so let's just not follow the trend, let's book the trend and just bottle it in a lightweight bottle because ultimately the spirit should speak for itself Mm. and the packaging should be secondary. So Mm. just small changes like that, you know, we haven't had to backpedal and make our business more sustainable. We've set out on the right foot and we've still got lots of work to do to become more sustainable. But, you know, turning the gin's carbon negative is one step, you know, it's a pretty good milestone for us to turning the whole distillery Mm -hmm. carbon negative. And that will be much more of a challenge on the whiskey side of things, just because of that level. You know, it uses such a lot of water, it's such a lot of energy. So it is, you know, it is difficult to do, but it's not impossible. And there's no reason why we can't all work together to try and, as an industry, make it so much more sustainable because we have to, we haven't got a choice
0: anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's commendable that you've done it from the off as well because I imagine thinking that way definitely adds more expense and when you're trying to save pennies but then you're also thinking no, we have to spend that money because there's a bigger picture involved and there's plenty of people who probably wouldn't uh, so w- well done for for doing that because I think it, I think it's really important as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a nice work on that. But thank you so much for joining us and for sending us these samples and talking us through your story, which I really do think is amazing. And I wish you all the best uh, w- when the whiskey starts coming out, and we'll post some links to you, to your site and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Hopefully, I yeah, can yeah. people still join the Founders Club, or is that now closed?
2: We've still got some seed memberships, haven't we? Which sort of so there's good.
0: a next level down kind of thing, is there? Yeah, yeah. they're the yeah. last ones. All
2: the others have uh, sold out now, which is which is great. But uh, yeah, there's still some seeds. and and people, I mean, people just follow us on Instagram. is always a good way as well to, to sort of keep up to date with what we're doing. Mm. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for having us. It's been really good fun. I can't believe an hours. Sold
0: out. I know, yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> it's isn't
2: exactly it?
0: Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> This is the
1: Whiskey God, reminding you to please always drink responsibly.
0: Mate, how good was that? That's wonderful, wasn't it? What
1: lovely people.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And what a great story. What a wonderful story. It makes it feel like it's achievable for all of us to go and start, uh, to an extent, to... uh, if you've got the romantic idea of starting a distillery, then you know, yeah. just do it. I had the
1: romantic <laughs> idea when I went to New Zealand of coming back and starting a podcast about whiskey. And then here we are, yeah, <laughs> and here, we, here are. we are. Isn't it it's just as romantic, isn't it, Dave? You and me, absolutely. Zooming
0: every week, yeah, absolutely. And our first new make episode fifty, and our first properly <laughs> properly tasted new make. Tasted yeah. new make. Yes. Yeah, that feel, feels feels nice right now. It feels does feel good. Nice, I've got a nice yeah. smile on my face. That new make
1: listeners, you're actually able to purchase from their website. It's the pilot series number one. It's thirty five pounds for a fifty cl bottle, and it's lovely. So I highly recommend that. Also, the sharing selection box they were kind enough to send us. You can also purchase that for twenty five pounds. You get three one hundred ml bottles in that. And as I said in the uh, in the interview. You get a, like a nice video to go
0: along with that. There's a variety of other gins on, and spirits on their on their shop as well. Yeah, and also you can join the the seed package for the Founders Club. So there were three there are three different levels of Founders Club membership uh, that you could you can be involved with. And unfortunately, there's only the seed package left, mm. uh, which is thirty pounds to join. It gets you discount on various things and access to pre release spirits and limited editions. So yeah. uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, I did. Just go he and just sign He just did it. Up. Just, just I did it just now. So I'll do it now. Let's do it now. Why do not? It, do, it, do it right now. Uh, But, as always, you can watch the full uncut video. We were talking to him for about 50 minutes. It was really great. Uh, And that's over on uh, the Whiskey and Things Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things. And we're doing our, you know, this very week, we're doing our our one-year birthday party with our Patreons as well. So, you know, you've got a couple of days. If you've heard this episode on the Wednesday and you sign up before Sunday, you can come and join us on our birthday party.
1: Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about Cooper King, um, go to www.cooperkingdistillery.co.uk. On Instagram and Facebook, they are at Cooper King Distillery, and on Twitter, they are CK Distillery.
0: And obviously, we'll be putting those links in our description as well. But yeah, great people, great interview, thoroughly enjoyed that, and a great spirit as well. And I can't wait to try the whiskey. I think it's great that they're doing the... Uh, the one-year yeah. sample as well. It, the whole thing with the crowdfunding and the founders' campaign obviously is so similar to the kind of thing I do with my crowdfunding projects as well, with like trying to bring people along for the ride and letting mm. people... Uh, I, I felt a, a, like they were kindred spirits. Is that the right expression? Did
1: they do a tea towel? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did they do a tea towel?
1: They're not doing a tea towel. They're missing a the trick because that's that's funded your career as far as I'm concerned.
0: Do you know what? I might have to have a word with them about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do. They uh, no. They do a, a hardback book about Yorkshire gin. Yorkshire gin map. Oh, that's close. No, they good. could do that as a. They could do that as a tea towel. whack, down, they?
1: A tea towel. whack exactly. down a tea towel. Just
0: exactly. Exactly. I'll send them a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, change their whole business plan. Anyway. <laughs> Super King Distillery. Can't wait to, to coming finally soon. Finally get round to uh, trying their whiskey.
1: You're listening to Whiskey and Things. These British people talk funny. Boom! Fifty done. Fifty done. 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 Now let's give up.
0: Now, now Nick, before we before we're done, I've got something for you. Oh. It's a it's a very it's a very wee nip of a bit of a booze round.
1: Oh. Oh, yes. Just
0: yes. for the booze just, right. just, 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 just a little one. Just a little one. Make it quick. So, Make Bimba, quick. we mentioned him in the, in, the, um, in the interview today, but Bimba, who are my local distillery, like, bear in mind I'm in London, they're only going to go and open up a distillery in Scotland... Bimba Scotch. Bim- Imagine that. Bimba are going to do
1: a Scotch. Is that all going ahead, is it? Has that been approved? And uh, is that just a plan I- they're coming up with?
0: No, no, I'm pretty sure it's going ahead. So this was reported in the spiritbusiness.com. Uh, but I'm in a Bimba Appreciation Society on on. Uh, yeah, me too. On Facebook. And Matt McKay, our friend Matt, who was on the on the podcast when we went to Bimba, has posted within there. And he said uh, that he'll be letting us all know further details as the plans progress. Uh, please note, though we'll be taking some techniques and learnings from Bimba, this will be an entirely separate distillery. So although the company is is going to start doing scotch, I don't even know if it's necessarily going to be called Bimba. Right. Uh, but but maybe it will, because the branding on Bimba, maybe this has always been the plan, because the branding on the Bimba bottle does say Bimba London. So maybe it has always been the plan to have other sites, um, but no it, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, does not say London whiskey on it.
1: This is London whiskey, but then they'll just put Scotch whiskey on the other one.
0: Yeah, well, that was kind of my point.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: you're split. You're splitting hairs with me there, Nick. No, I'm not. It's single malt London
1: whiskey. Small London badge. whiskey is but my it's point. Bimber so,
0: Distillery. This right, be, okay. They'll
1: just release Bimber Distillery Scotch, Scotch whiskey.
0: Yeah, or or it's going to be completely different. But anyway, it's exciting times. I think it's I not think fall out on
1: episode fifty, Dave. That's not fall out. We come this far.
0: Yeah. Well, if you want to split hairs, split hairs. It's fine. Uh, we'll
1: split ends at the moment.
0: <laughs> I think this is interesting, and I think bear in mind, a company in England doesn't have the regulations that they have in Scotland, as we just talked about in that interview. I think it's interesting that they've decided to go up to Scotland and to try and take on that side of the industry. And I wonder what the thought process behind there is. Anyway, it's interesting news story and Nick will post a link to it if you're interested. But yet, yet another new distillery in Scotland.
1: Yes, there you go. It'll we be shout. it's like Tasmania. They're just popping up all over the place, mate. They're
0: popping up all over the place, exactly. Popping exactly. up all over the place. There'll be Bimba Tasmania soon as well. And I'll pretend to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the last, well, on the fifty episodes. If you've done every single one, well done. Thanks very much. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Well, well done for getting through it, and uh, it's massively appreciated. And it's appreciated. Massive shout out to our patrons, obviously, uh, for, for continuing to fund us. Anyone who's bought a T-shirt or anything like that as well. Thank you very very much. Uh, and. Just, but just for listening and if you've pressed the share button thank you very much hey I've got two shout outs very briefly Nick Yep. someone new Ooh, at new. Baz Richardson 84 has tweeted us he said anyone interested in looking for a new podcast have a listen to Whiskey and Things it's educational has interviews Nick and Dave together have a good laugh and can't forget about the whiskey god who? Uh, <laughs> my new favourite podcast <laughs> is what he says so hello Baz thanks very much for Sarah. getting in contact thank you um it's, yeah, it's very much appreciated that you've done that anyone else wants to get in contact please do but also uh, another shout out as a result of, um, of of Jeff coming on last week I found out about this wonderful whiskey online club called Certified Originals and uh, they've got a discord page and they're really really great I mean, everyone in there is really supportive loads of people sharing whiskeys and sharing articles and videos and, and our podcast so anyone who's listening from uh, from Certified Originals hello 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 uh, and we look forward to that. They, they have various events as well, and there's a charity side of it as well. So I think we should get someone on from that as well. I think that would be uh, useful in the future. Maybe we'll get Anthony to come on. Hmm. Anyway, th- yeah, that's all I'm at, Nick. That's awesome. where I'm at. Let's Sweet. sign off, shall we? Should we sign off? That's a good off show. It's been a great show. 50.
1: Congratulations on 50 episodes, Dave. Well and
0: done. you as well. And you. Well, well done. done for putting up my voice for that long. Well. <laughs> Well, you, hmm. ama- amazingly, you haven't smashed your computer. You haven't picked it up and thrown it on the floor.
1: Well, you haven't been up here with me while I've been editing, have you? Yeah. I'm sure there's been
0: a lot of cursing.
1: <laughs> what? God damn what it! did you say? Just talk. <laughs> Get the words out of your mouth. Stop mumbling. Stop, Stop stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's blow this popsicle stand. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming.
0: 50 (laughs) times. What a trooper. Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.